1: Hey everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. This is CBD infused coffee that not only tastes incredible, but it can relieve everyday aches, pains, anxiety, migraines, and so much more. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2018 at checkout and you will get it shipped straight to your door. Now enjoy the show, guys.
0: This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. to Work crisscrossing with Jones, right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one-on-two. Now Jones, McKinnon, the best avalanche coverage in Denver.
2: On a chilly Thursday here, Mile High City, the Avalanche in the middle of a five-game transcontinental Canadian road trip. Coming up on a Saturday night game with the Montreal Canadiens, Le Bleu, Blanc et Rouge. Avalanche started out the trip, games in Winnipeg, Calgary. And I'm going to do off a little beaten path today. We're not going to hash over the whole road trip. Uh, we're going to. I'm going to welcome him in a special guest today. Uh, now, people who follow me will know this guy. He is a a partner of mine on a a podcast that we uh, still have. It's still it's a little bit less in rotation than it used to be, but it's still a, an ongoing concern. It's the uh, Lonely End of the Rink podcast, where my partner, who was the co founder of that podcast, along with yours truly, uh, we still do it. We, we talk over the NHL mostly, but we also talk a little turtle jam, a little kiss, some little things, all things Buffalo. My guest is Steve Bennett, a Buffalo resident, I believe a native, who uh, loves the Sabres. Loves the New Orleans Saints, for reasons we'll get into. Had a brother who played on the Yale Bulldogs NCAA Championship College hockey team a few years ago. And he runs uh, a podcast that, for seven, eight years now, has become a regularly noted uh, best-of-every-year podcast list. Guys like Richard Deitz from Sports Illustrated, later The Athletic. I put his podcast as the best uh most you know, best podcast in sports that you can listen to. And I can hardly second that. Steve Bennett from the Sportscasters podcast, lonely into the ring, my friend and partner, Steve, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast. Uh, we won the trade, right, Ryan O'Reilly?
3: <laughs> Did anyone win that trade? I guess at least you still have <laughs> players from it, right? Yeah, I would.
2: I would say. Yeah, seriously. What, what do we think right now on the trade? Uh, let's start off there. All right. First, Steve, welcome. You're good. Good to come on uh, my podcast.
3: Yes, thank you for having for, me uh,
2: for the first time ever.
3: It's exciting. Yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, well, yeah. Don't slow your role a little bit there. Roll reversal. Uh, yeah, roll reversal. You, you're usually the show driver. You're the professional broadcaster. I'm kind of the. Uh, acolyte who hangs around and tries to not say anything and get me fired (laughs) uh you tell us about though real quick your your sportscaster's podcast and how that's grown and and, uh um how it was once again named on the richard dyke's best of list for this last uh year's podcast
3: well uh the background is is i have crohn's disease and uh In 2011, I knew that I was going to have to be on a hiatus from my career at the time. I was a uh, kind of a a mix between a social worker and a teacher in the Buffalo Public Schools. But I knew I was going to have to take at least all of 2011 off. And I wanted something to do uh, that could keep myself busy, but I wouldn't have to leave the house. And also I could do it at my own pace. And uh, I'd gotten a book for Christmas called Death to the BCS. Which was a book written by Jeff Passan and Dan Wetzel from Yahoo, and there was a third guy, too. I can't remember, but he's not as famous as Passan and Wetzel. And I got in that for Christmas, and I just kind of thought of the idea, like, well, maybe I'll reach out to these guys and see if one of them would do an interview with me, and then I could have a podcast. And uh, then I kind of thought about it more, and thought, well, maybe the idea of the podcast will will be that I'll interview people who are sportscasters or sports writers or. Whatever. So I called it the Sportscasters. I got Jeff Passan to somehow agree to basically appear on a show that didn't exist. And it's launched the day after the uh, it was Auburn versus Oregon, the Cam Newton national championship game in the BCS. And uh, just kind of grew from there, 2014, it was named by Sports Illustrated as one of the Best sports podcast of the year. And then again this year, Richard Deitch had it on his notable podcast list on The Athletic. I had a partner for a while, but now I do it on my own. And it's also kind of branched off from just being about sports casters to really just being about whatever I'm interested in. Uh, It's got a really successful Mm -hmm. book club um, where I solicit a book from an author in exchange for an interview and some promotion. And I will literally consider any book. Uh, We've done books on John F. Kennedy. Uh, we had Artie Lang's book, and Artie Lang came on. We've had books by traditional sports authors like Jeff Perlman and Jane Levy, who are both good friends of the show. We've done television books, like Alan Sepinwall was on to talk about his book called TV the Book. Uh, Frank DeFord, a legend, luckily was able to come on before he passed away, which is an honor of the show. I'm just kind of looking at my bookshelf. So the book club is a really good way to drive yeah. – to drive guests because people will come on that would never come on otherwise because they want to sell their book. Like John Feinstein was on in December, and I doubt he's ever coming on if he didn't have a book to promote, you know? So, but I will talk I about listen. anything. Like I had, I had Eddie trunk on the season nine debut, uh, just to talk music. Cause I just felt I like,
2: last night.
3: yeah, I just felt like talking yep, about I music. You know? last
2: night. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that keeps I mean, it fun. Um, I, uh, it's a very, you know, eclectic podcast. that has got really good big time guests on it like you're just a, you know let's face it you're a guy who was just kind of out there to, you know just a guy from buffalo who decided to start a podcast and hey why not call up joe buck <laughs> yeah come on podcast have had joe buck on about what five six seven eight times
3: joe buck is almost um, i mean sort of a friend i mean we had, joe buck and i text yeah, yeah we text because, like, he's a big Pearl Jam guy. Wow, I'm a big really? Pearl Jam guy. So, like, if I'm at a Pearl Jam show, I'll send him a video. He'll write back. How's Paula? I'll write back. How are the twins? You know, if he's doing a Saints game, I'll text him. Anything going on at the stadium, he'll write back. Like, I doubt he's going to have me on for dinner or over for dinner anytime soon. But, like, you know, like, we chat on text and stuff. And if I need him, he'll come on. And I try not to abuse See, that. So
2: I know. And and he's great. And you, you have a way of making them feel at ease, the guests uh, with, with good, solid research and good questions, good conversation. It's not a, I wouldn't call what you do like an interview podcast. It's more like a conversation, which I like as a listener. Yeah, uh, especially when I, I get someone over and over.
3: Hear. Sorry about that. Like when I get like a Perlman, for yeah. example, like we, he's been on, you know, 12 times probably. We know each other so yeah. well that we just, it's almost like just recording a phone call we have. At least that's what I go for. You know, exactly. it's like, you know, if I'm going to shoot the shit with Jeff Prohm for an hour tonight, let me record it and see if people will listen to that. And you know, it's been relatively successful, yeah. but it's for fun mostly. You know, it's a great it's a great hobby. Like I said, it keeps my mind off my Crohn's disease, keeps me busy when I'm at the house, and um, you know, uh, people who listen to yeah. it love it, and uh, people who are in the business that's that's the one thing. I think it's kind of like one of these TV shows. Uh, that sort of flies under the radar but the critics love it it's kind of like that it's not the number one show yeah, well, you know it's not the number one show in the ratings but people who are critical of these things say it's pretty good so that kind of keeps me keeps me motivated and you know again there's no yeah there's no, no real good, eh? there's no outcome that <laughs> needs to be achieved it's really just make one every well, week or every other week and put it out and then that's that
2: I know you're still considered a hobby, and, and uh, you know, that I means, you know, the money hasn't slowed in. But I keep thinking, like, all these big-timers you keep interviewing, you know, the, the people in the business. I mean, in my opinion, a place like Sports Illustrated should hire you as their podcast guy.
3: I've told I mean, them that.
2: I've told them that. That's I, what they miss. That's what that – I don't think they – they don't have a good podcast right now. Uh, they, they have one good tell one. The <laughs>
3: Sports Illustrated right. is one good one. It's the Sports I mean, Media not podcast Sports
2: SI and all the media side, but right. You know what I'm saying? I think, yeah, uh, there's a place out there that I think should hire you as a, and with all these big names you keep, you keep having on, well, maybe you, your luck is going to come on one of these days. About hey, can you we'll buy your podcast and put it on our site? You know, that's I'm sure that's probably a goal of yours. Well, I've got gotten- even though you might.
3: I've gotten oh, close a couple times. Way. I've gotten close a couple times, actually. Really? Yeah, the first year. Really? Uh, the, tell, tell me more. Okay, the first year, the score um, from, from Canada, they had a SiriusXM channel, and the guy who Ooh. was running the channel reached out to me and said, would you want to do this podcast on the score, SiriusXM channel? And I said, yes. And we got all the way to agreeing on terms and all that, and then they found mm-hmm. out that the channel was canceled by Sirius. Oh, God. Yeah, so there's no channel to go to anymore. And then in 2013, for one year, I did sign a contract with a website called Football Nation to do a football exclusive show, which was basically a football version of the Sportscasters with one guest a week. And I did that for them all the way up to January 27, 2013. And then on January 28, 2013, I went to the hospital and didn't get out until March 14th, 2013. Uh, so I kind of yeah. missed the end of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And they were like, look, it, we totally understand. Why don't you renew and do a second season? And I said, I just don't feel comfortable promising you anything right now because I just had you know, 17 yeah. inches of my colon taken out. And then since yeah. then, that website – they sold. Their their whole goal, he told me how long, was to try to get bought, and they did get bought. So then oh. that went away. And then um, yeah. I thought when John Wertheim became executive editor at SI, and they his number one thing was he wanted to start a podcast network. And I thought at the very least that my show would be a part of that. And again, we got into discussions, and then they decided that it was just too close to the podcast that Richard Deitch was going to do and that John uh, Jimmy Traynor now does. Uh, so that kind of fell off but mm. you know like I said I've been close a few times
2: yeah. but yeah well yeah I mean I didn't realize that you were so close yeah, you know, the closest was, was the score the I thing mean, with the score obviously yeah i mean you had firms agreed to. yeah we um, had
3: agreed to, agree to um, uh, all the provisions everything was worked yeah. out and then
2: <laughs> canceled was it pretty decent money like you could have done that as your full-time job uh, probably not
3: probably not the first year but the the second year, yeah. the second year would have been yes, yeah, for sure.
2: Fuck. jeez! i just keep doing it, then. Uh, you know, you, Beatles didn't get signed right away. I mean, they acted by eight eight companies, so eight record companies. So uh, you know, that's always my line. Uh, that's that's encouraging, though. I mean, I think that's you know, you get getting close. one of these times. All you need to be is you know, as they say, right once. You know. Uh, <laughs> And we have actually so, gotten breaks. I mean,
3: we uh So Duff McKagan was on my podcast. You know Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses? The oh, yeah. Guns yeah. N' Roses. So I was just reading yeah. I was reading ESPN.com one day. And there's like Sports Business Column by Duff McKagan. I'm like, holy shit. That's kind of cool. So I read it. I'm like, I'm going to email my contact to ESPN and see if Duff McKagan would be on. So I email them, and they write back. And they're like, he'll come on on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Alright, great. Yep. So Tuesday at seven thirty Eastern, the Hall of Fame announces that Guns N' Roses is inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I had no idea that was happening that day. And but because of the timing of it, I literally had the first interview with anyone from Guns N' Roses um, after the announcement they were in the Hall of Fame and at that time they oh. weren't with they weren't with Axel. So I was the first person to ask someone from Guns N' Roses, you know, will Axel be there? Will he play with you? And I mean, he had no idea really at the time, but I got someone from the band on the record and I have a good friend who's a huge Guns N' Roses fan and he helped me get that in front of the right Guns N' Roses people on the internet. And still to this day, that episode has almost more downloads than all of my episodes combined because it has well into the six wow. figures. Well into the six figures in wow. downloads. Um, huh. And then, God. so that was a big, I... that was a big break. And then, obviously, the stuff with, yeah. uh, with um, in 2013, uh, when my brother's hockey team won the national championship, um, I had just been coming out yeah, of that.
2: Say his name. Say his name. Say his name again for uh, the for the audience. His Your name brother is, yeah, his name is, is Anthony,
3: Anthony Day, and he was uh, a member of the uh, 20. Yeah. He, he played. So he played locally in Buffalo growing up. Played um, at St. Francis Prep, uh, high school, and then he went to the USHL for two years at the Sioux Falls Stampede and committed to Yale, played four years at Yale. They won the national championship point as a sophomore. And that was also the year that I was in the hospital for that long time. And during that season, there was this kind of moment in the season where their goalie was injured and they lost five games in a row. And my brother called me when I was in the hospital. He's like, you know, I don't want to be here. You know, this is going so bad. I can't believe I'm not there with you. You're so sick. You know, are you going to be okay? And I just said, listen, I'm going to be fine. You just stick with it. You guys are going to be fine. And the Frozen Four is in Pittsburgh this year, and we'll both be there. You'll be playing, I'll be watching. Trust me. And they got to that point. Obviously, they made it. They they were the last team in to the field, um, on the and they needed yeah. they needed uh, Notre Dame to beat Michigan, um, on the very last game college hockey game played that year before the tournament, and they did that. Got in and um, beat Minnesota, the you know one of the number one seeds, and then beat North Dakota in the regionals. And so we get to the Frozen Four, and they, they win it. Um, and uh, So it's the end of the night after the celebration. I kind of got to go back. I'm kind of gassed. And me and my brother and my other brother, we kind of just went off to the side to kind of say goodbye to each other. And one of my uncles took a picture. And then a couple weeks later, I was looking through pictures from the week or from that weekend, and I saw this picture. I was like, you know, at this moment, that could be maybe my best moment of my life, and then I have a picture of it. And I kind of set a, tweet, a yep. tweet to that effect out. And Richard Deitch from Sports Illustrated, who had been on the podcast recently, saw the tweet on Twitter and sent the same tweet out, like, the same words, kind of asking if anyone else had one and included me on it. And for the next, like, five or seven days, it was kind of like an internet sensation. And um, I got – there's an article from CNN.com. We we're on the CBS Nightly News. You know, it's got a lot of coverage locally. WGR 55 in Buffalo had me on. I was in the Buffalo News. Um yeah. E entertainment news has we yeah. were, like, So we kind of had a moment there. So like, we've had some luck, we've had some good opportunities. Um I, and I've had a lot of fun. I've met great people. I've met yeah. people like Adrian Dater who I consider a friend even though <laughs> even though he tried to kill me in October. We can tell that story if you want. Where the Dater yeah. jinx almost killed yeah. me. Um you know jinx, yeah. Yeah, well we're here so we should tell the story. So Adrian and I we've become friends. Um we've really behind the scenes I think I've been, I've been there for him, I think at some times where he was unsure about where he stood oh, yeah. in his career. And I kind of, you know, I've always tried to kind of help you and say like, look at you're the Don't best. Don't yeah. I, mean, do your I thing.
2: specifically remember being, I still, I specifically remember being kind of a low moment for me. I was in Vermont in the house that I partially grew up in, but my my father and, uh, his longtime girlfriend, he's never got married or he's been, you know, married twice. I guess, but twice. You don't go down a third time. But he's been together with her for like 30 years. Anyway, they were like gone. Uh, surprised. I was kind of going to surprise them. And then uh, they're not there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of in this big, lonely house by myself. I'm kind of at a crossroads in my career. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and I remember having a, you know, a phone call with you where it's like, you kind of helped me get off the ledge a little bit. So I've always been grateful for that. Yes. Yeah, so you know, things to... have gotten a lot better. Things yeah, have but... gotten a lot better for me since, but you know, it was, it was a touchy moment there where I was like, you know, you're you felt like the only person I could talk to in the world at that moment. I'm sitting there in this big, lonely Vermont house in the middle of the country with like, I couldn't even see getting into the house. It was, it was a, there was no key. I had to squeeze my way through a, a window to get in. Uh, I couldn't get a hold of the father. Anyway, yeah, it's like, how, how did my life turn out like this?
3: Right. Locked out of my <laughs> so, parents' house. Nowhere to go. But
2: anyway, we did. Yeah, I'm like, we developed this friendship, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. ups and downs, ups and downs.
3: Yeah, we did this pod. We do this podcast together called "The Lonely End of the Rink," which you mentioned. Which we just do it when we feel like it, no pressure. When we feel like it, we put yeah. one up. You can follow us on Twitter at Lonely Rink Pod. Uh, we always tweet about when we're going to do one or our regular accounts uh, at A Data or at Sportsnet We Sports have some great shows. Canisters.
2: We have some great shows. Yeah, people love I mean, listening we, to we us had, argue. We had the biggest heavy hitting guests in hockey you could possibly have. I mean, Stan Scotty Bowman, Bob McKenzie. You know, yeah, uh, Mackenzie was on our and first on. one. We've done the list,
3: so but we kind of yeah. found that people like it's listening hard. to us more than the guests. It's kind of people almost like just kind of listen to us talk about shit.
2: Yeah, but um, I still do think I'm very good on podcasts, so I don't. I think I'm not just conducive to the anyway, numbers ever in the game.
3: We do it when we feel anyway, like it. We'll do more. Yeah, we come on each other. So yeah,
2: anyway, I was gonna come visit you. Yeah, you're gonna, gonna come, come to Buffalo. I in Buffalo, my first time I ever see you. I'm on the trip to the Adams-Buffalo yeah, game. We're going to meet, and uh, I'm texting you and everything, and boom, you got you got another attack of Crohn's. And, yeah, I uh, had a blockage. Get <laughs> I had so a bit. blockage. So the Dater Jinx The drug, Dater Jinx blockage. Yeah, you had a blockage.
3: I was in the hospital uh, for nine days. Traumatized my little daughter.
2: I've had, I've had colitis, uh, which is Crohn's cousin. Yeah, it's her cousin. cousin. Yep. So I've had that. I had an attack of that last. Uh, spring in, in the playoffs, actually. Um, you know, and uh, I had a really, really bad thing in in the early 90s, and it kind of, and I've had basically two attacks since basically 10 years apart. Um, so I've been lucky, luckier on this than uh, you have so far. But, uh, you know, they keep making advances in that. I, I don't want to talk about Crohn's and colitis this whole podcast, no, no, but. No. Uh, Seems like they're got some. uh, They got some promising stuff always on the horizon for it. Well, the good Um,
3: news is, is that uh, uh, since uh, then I've been better, so we could say that.
2: That's good. Well, Steve, you uh, before we take the first break, you you take a long, pretty good segment on talk about who you are. But uh, um, is it fair to say your hockey is is your favorite sport, though? Yes, Um, hockey's my favorite. Hockey talk.
3: Yeah, hockey's my favorite sport by far. I mean, like. When I was okay. three years old, all I cared about was hockey and wrestling. Like, I didn't watch cartoons as a kid. Okay. You know, I loved hockey and I loved wrestling. I And, you know, hockey helped me learn to read because someone told me this newspaper that came into our house every day had shit about the Sabres in it. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to read that. You know, so I figured out how to read uh, the news. Jim Kelly, uh, the great, late, great yep. Jim Kelly. That's basically how I learned late, to read. Late, great Jim Kelly. Yeah, reading his stuff. Oh, man. I, really I, know, I know a big part I of your do. career too um
2: but yeah yes. i mean i was basically tim kelly's replacement at si.com um uh, that was you know big big shoes to fill uh and they uh you know they don't really cover hockey online anymore which is too bad
3: yeah well so, ho- hockey's but, uh, my favorite sport to- it's the only one i played competitively and was any good at i was second team all city and Buffalo as a senior not as good as my brother obviously oh. Um, but I was a pretty good um, player growing up. Know
2: you're second team All-City?
3: Yeah, second team All-City as a senior. And, um, hmm. you know, so I was a decent player, too short and uh, all that. But, um, you know, good enough to be a really good high school player. And then uh, the the one thing I would say, though, is the Saints are probably my favorite team. Um, the Sabres Yeah, you're a
2: huge Saints fan yeah. because of why against?
3: Okay, because I loved hockey so much. So here's the story. Why I hated the Bills. And that that, that led to my Saints love. So I loved hockey so much that I couldn't understand why one Sunday my parents wouldn't come into my room to listen to a Sabres-Minnesota North Stars preseason game on the radio, radio coverage only, because they wanted to stay in the living room and watch a Bills and Dolphins game, regular season. I was so pissed off. I said, I hate the Bills. I hate football. I'm going to my room, and I'm listening to this. Unbelievably irrelevant. Minnesota North Stars, Buffalo Sabers, radio only preseason game with B squads. I think I, I didn't even I, like they're saying the names of some of these guys, and I'm like, this is is this the right game? I'm th- I just remember thinking like, what the hell? And uh, so then what happens is finally a couple years later, my dad talks me into watching a football game, and it's actually the playoffs. And my dad sits me down and is like, oh, this game, it's the Saints versus the Vikings. And the Saints, this is the first time they've ever been in the playoffs. They've been in the league since 1967. Their fans wore bags on their head. And I'm like, bags on their heads? He's like, yeah, you know, they're so bad. But this is the first time they're good. But there was a strike this year. And the player, the strike players lost a game, so they didn't get the buy. You know, he's going through the, all this thing about it. And I'm like, okay. And I'm watching, and, and they got these amazing uniforms and the Superdome looks amazing and they get out to a ten nothing lead and the Superdome's going nuts. And I'm just like, this is awesome. I, I am in. And I <laughs> from that point forward watched them lose 48 to 10 in like the slowest, saddest death ever that day against the Vikings. Anthony Carter ripped them to shreds. And uh, I just remember thinking this is this is my team. These are my guys. I can't believe this happened to them. These poor people wore bags. It was ten to nothing. And they lost 48-10, to 10, I couldn't believe it. And I've been a diehard Saints fan ever since. Actually, I actually haven't missed a game since 1996. I've seen everyone.
2: Yeah, I know. You're really a big, big Saints fan. Uh, so I'm very nervous. Uh, very
3: nervous about Sunday.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're, you you got to be a little nervous about Sunday. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you got a great QB. Uh, well, I'm just as big a Patriots fan, really. Uh, probably not as passionate anymore as I used to be, but. You know, I'm I've got a spot reserved for Sunday's game and uh um you know, I'm gonna be back in New England when it happens, so it will be fun. Uh, not not the game, but some yeah, we'll Avalanche Road trip. Yeah. yeah. Um all right, we're gonna take a let's take a break here on the first sure. uh we, we, we uh we, we had a good get to know Steve uh segment. Well let's get into some real hockey talk here in the next segment, talk about you know, let's talk about our two series. You're a huge, famous fan. I'm probably the out there. I mean, you're also really, really big college hockey yes. guy. Like you're one of the biggest college hockey experts uh, in the world. So I want to, we're going to pump you for what you know about a couple of uh, top Avalanche prospects that you've seen. And uh, we'll talk more about, uh, you know, our teams and whatnot in the NHL. So uh, take a first break here, folks. Uh, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast. Stay tuned. Uh, Check out our sponsors here. They're coming at you. We'll see you on the flip side.
1: There's nothing more important than family, and for more than 100 years now, customers have turned to Farmers New World Life Insurance Company and agents like Bryce Babcock to help protect the financial security of their loved ones.
2: What makes us different, first off, is we're, we're completely customer service oriented, meaning that our goal is every day to be available. The other piece, too, is that I'm young. I'm 31 years old, and so I'm, I'm hungry, and I'm very motivated every single day to
0: continue to make this agency grow, and, and that's just something that you know I, I think that I bring them a lot of other agents do my initial thought was it's expensive and i just don't have money to invest in my long-term future everything i have i need right now but once i started looking at the options it's an absolute no-brainer you can find a life insurance plan that works for you and you should it's not just about death either there's whole life insurance policies that actually have cash value that build over time and so on so bryce will break all of that down for you for free the call is a no-brainer. You have to do it.
1: Brandon's 100% right. Plus, Bryce is even giving out a deal specifically for BSN listeners.
0: I'm going to go ahead and send out a
2: $10 Starbucks gift card right right off the bat. And so you don't have to do business with us. You don't have to. There's no payment needed or anything like that. It's something that we're going to do for anyone that comes in from BSN. gives us an opportunity to earn their business.
1: Call 303-996-6509 today. That's 303-996-6509. Hey, guys, before we get into the next segment, I want to tell you about a really awesome deal, another really awesome deal for BSN listeners. Look, you already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they are delivering to anywhere in the north metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. And for a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off of your $50 or more purchase on their website and on their app. Use the promo code BSN10 to save $10 off your $50 or more purchase. Download the Total Beverage app today.
2: Welcome back. Segment number two of the MLS podcast, Thursday night edition. I'm your host, Adrian Vader. got a special guest today, Steve Bennett. You can find him on Twitter at sports underscore casters. You got it. You got that right, Steve? Yep, you got it. Sports underscore casters. I, I still think you need to get rid of that underscore.
3: Yeah, someone has like sports casters. Handle. They don't use it though. And they won't right. they won't give it to well, me. Jerks.
2: Yeah. Well, those jerks. Uh, yep. you can find him there. You can find his work on the Sportscasters podcast. Also occasional lonely in the ring pod. Steve, you're a uh you're a hockey lover. You're you're obsessed by the game as much as anybody I've known, so uh this is an Avalanche podcast, though, and I know our listeners want to know what you think about a couple of Avalanche prospects. Now, I'll set this up by saying you really are a college hockey expert. You watch a lot of hockey, college hockey. Your brother won a dang NCAA tournament title, for, for God's sake, for Yale, which I don't think will ever happen again. <laughs> well, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, should I, Steve? Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, did, did we ever think an Ivy League school was going to win an Ivy League? It, it, it was a, it was a great story and your brother was on it. Um, so the Avalanche have yes. two really good, I'm right now you've seen a lot. Yes. Yeah, Shane Bowers. Yes. Uh, I know you've seen Bowers a lot lately. Yep. Let's start off with your opinion on what you've seen from Shane Bowers, specifically in the, uh, world juniors, which just wrapped up, uh, Canada that did not fare very well, but, uh, Tell us your opinion about Shane Bowers right now. He's part of the Avalon, Shane trade, Boston University sophomore, I believe. Right. Uh, what, what, what do you think? Did the Avs have a player here
3: or no? Well, let me start by saying this, that I've always been high on Bowers. I thought he was a really good addition to that trade uh, with the Senators. I thought it was a you know a win to get him as part of it uh, for the Avalanche. I like Bowers. Now, if I had only seen him in the World Juniors this year, that probably wouldn't be my opinion. It was definitely a disappointing turn of tournament for him for one i think he was a part of the team um sort of he was brought in to be a fourth line guy to kind of be a bottom six role uh you know it's really hard for canadian kids who play outside of major juniors to you know be fixtures on their on their their world junior team almost in the same way that it's hard for major junior players to be Huge parts of the U.S. team. You know, the U.S. team tends to favor college guys. I think there was only three players for major junior on this year's uh, college – or, uh, excuse me, three major junior players on this year's U.S. world junior team. And Canada is similar. Um, difficult to, to crack through. And if you do, sometimes, mm. you know, you find yourself on the outside looking in. And maybe that was the case for Bowers. He's brought in for a bottom six role. I think they thought he'd be um, a big part of the penalty kill. And so it's not that, like, you know, it's not like he did anything wrong. I'm sure, you know, he's not one of the guys getting death threats up there, um, which is just a bad look for, for Canada. It's the way they've treated some of those kids coming out of this tournament. Uh, but he only had two assists, um, didn't play a ton. Um, but, I, you know, I guess to some degree, he kind of did what was asked of him. He had an unbelievable freshman season at, at BU. I mean, to get 32 points in 40 games at BU. You know, is is really good. Coming off a really strong uh, season for Waterloo in the USHL, where I think he had like about fifty points in sixty games, something like that. Um, he's not off to as good of a start this year. I think he has eight points in fifteen games. but BU hasn't been BU this year either, and they lost a lot of talent. So I think he's kind of moved up. Different coach, yeah. A different coach. Uh, you know, uh, Greenway is gone. Uh, you know, a lot of talent has been lost there. And so a guy who, you know, he was a guy on last year's team, who was kind of playing above his role where he was and getting matched up in a lot of favorable matchups and uh, benefiting from playing with really good NHL-type players. Uh, And now he's kind of bearing the burden a little bit more of being more of a top guy. But I still think that the Avalanche have a player who is going to get a chance to play at the NHL level. You know, he was a a late first-round pick, and I think he can still live up to that pick. He's got that potential. Um, I like his two way game a lot. He can play 200 feet really well. Uh, he's not extremely extremely skilled. He's not you know he's not going to be on McKinnon's line uh, probably. Uh, no. He's not that kind of player. But you know when you're when you're rounding out a roster, you know you can't. You, there's a chance you're not going to do much better than a Shane Bowers as your third center yeah. or something like that. You know he's a guy who can score. He can yeah. play 200 feet. Um, and I I, yeah. I I think he'll be a guy. He's likable too. He's a likable kid. Well, six that
2: two, pretty good. I mean, good I, size, six two. Yeah, I mean, I still have never seen him play in person. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I've always said this that I need to see people in person before I can really form any kind of coherent uh, opinions on anybody. Uh, and uh, but if they can get him to be, you know, if he's a third liner who can chip in with ten or fifteen goals, and, so, Play a decent 200 foot game. I mean, I, I, I want you to definitely take that. But no, I think uh, it can be any, anything close to a decent kind of guy, maybe. Uh, I don't know if he's got time for speed, but, uh, you know, that'd be fine with us. Um, the other guy that you've seen play and who a lot of people have seen play and say very good things about it is Kale McCarr. The number four overall pick from last year who came back for his sophomore season with the UMass Minutemen who is having by all accounts a great year for UMass. Oh put him in the top ten in the rankings who's top two. I don't know if you saw the clip yeah. I don't know if you saw the clip the other night of his the shift he had, but he made like eight great plays in one shift, um stealing clocks going zinc to rink you know, end to end. Uh, passing is just hitting guys. Uh, you've seen a play. I haven't. A lot of people haven't here. Your thoughts on Kel McCarr yeah. as a noted college hockey expert?
3: Now, this is a different conversation. Shane Bowers is a nice player yeah. with good upside. Kel McCarr is a potential superstar. He's a potential Norris Trophy winner.
2: Wow. He's, you didn't even use that? Wow. Louis Trophy? You look at him,
3: Yeah he, you watch him play. Like you, you, let's say you just go to the rink, right? And it's UMass versus Bassville, yeah. and you don't know anything, right? You just go to the rink to see this game. It's only going to take you yeah. one minute to know who the fourth overall pick was out there because he's going to start. And by the end of that first shift, you're going to know that was the guy who's fourth overall. He's got a presence on the ice. He, he's super fun to watch skate and he, he he's controls the rink. He sees it incredibly well. His offensive skills are great. Is he going to be? What's is that? he going to
2: be? A little too small, maybe. He is though, small. He's small. Level? He's small, but
3: yeah, it's not 1980 anymore, right? I mean, you can get away with it now yeah. in the sense that he's a it's a speed game and he's a speed player, right? So I don't know that. Look at you already have Zaderov, right? So let him be the big tough defenseman, and uh, Makar, yeah. right? And then Makar can be. The 5'11", you know, 190-pound guy who skates like Bobby Orr and, you know, controls your power play. And he's just – he's a leader. You know, he's a sophomore, basically captain on the UMass team. You know, UMass went from one of the worst teams in college hockey before he got there to spending time this year at number one in the country. You know, they're undefeated at home. Uh, he's doing really well in terms of points. Uh, I was watching them. They had a weekend series against uh, Quinnipiac, and it was a home-and-home. Yep. Home. Yeah, Quinnipiac. Yeah, It was a home-and-home, and, home, and um, they had lost the first game in Quinnipiac, and it was down 1-0 going into the third and the second game at home, and he just took the game over. And uh, they ended up winning like 3 or 4-1. to one. Uh, He's got 20 points, 6 goals, 14 assists, and 18 games at UMass this year. Um, so he's well above his pace last year, even as a freshman, where he had 21 points. And I don't know, they played 30ish games last year. Uh, this is a team that can make a run in the NCAA tournament based on one thing. How how far can can you know Makar take them? That's it. I mean, he's he's that important to yeah. them, you know, and he's that good. He can change a game. I was talking to someone the other day. We were looking at the uh, the draft where he was fourth overall. If you look at that draft, the first five picks were. Um, The kid from the Devils, the Swiss kid. Um, What's his name? Help Hitchier. me out. Yep, okay. So he's the first pick. Nico year. Yep. Nolan Patrick is the second pick. Uh, yep. McCar is fourth, right? Yes. Yep. Makar is fourth. Fifth is Peterson. And third was Dallas, the yep. defenseman that just made the All-Star game. Uh, Heiskanen is that? It? Yeah,
2: Miro Miro Heiskanen. Yes. Miro so Heiskanen. that's the
3: five, first five picks. And I said to someone, "Look, wait,
2: wait, wait you missed you missed who went third, though. I'm I'm even blanking. Uh, who went
3: third? No, Heiskanen went third, from Dallas. Oh, Heiskanen.
2: Yeah, Heiskanen went third. Right.
3: right. McCarr was fourth. McCarr uh, fourth, and, and
2: Peterson fifth.
3: Peterson fifth. Right. So, so I said to someone, a hockey wow. guy, I said, "Let's say we do a redraft from that draft, but only." Yeah. But only the the top five picks are eligible, right? So yep. let's forget everything that happens after Peterson is picked. and Let's just go yep. back to these teams and say, let's draft this. Who's the first pick? And Makar was this person's choice, even with the success wow. that Peterson had. And I said, wow. You so know,
2: this wasn't just a, a buddy. No, this is someone. Store, I, right? this no.
3: An off-the-record conversation okay. after an interview I recorded for the podcast. A prominent hockey writer. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm. wow. Okay.
3: Now, I wish uh, I would have asked him on the air because if I did, I would have been comfortable saying it. But if you look back at who I've had on in the last month, probably could figure out who it was, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was a recent, I mean, recent
2: conversation. I mean, but. I mean, that's what probably why everybody's so excited here in Colorado. And yet, you know, everybody's kind of down about the team right now. They're not playing all that great.
3: Well, I know the feeling. But, I mean, I know the feeling.
2: You, you just gotta wait, like till next, either this spring or next year or both. You've got McCarr coming in. You've got potential Jack Hughes coming in.
3: Right, because all the picks you've they got, have, right?
2: Maybe you know, you've got Bowers. You've got. They own Ottawa's third-round pick, too, next year. People forget this, but that could be like a 63rd pick. Uh, you know, Ottawa and Ottawa probably will lose Matt and Shane for nothing or a trade deadline trade, uh, which they probably won't get a whole ton for because, you know, um, so I don't want to beat up on the Ottawa Senators, but God almighty, Ugh. this trade. I mean, this, this is when the really good stuff for the outs starts to happen. Is, is on the straight. They already have Sam Gerard who's honest to God, I would trade I would have taken straight up for Matt McShane from what he's shown so far. Um and now yeah these do it. It's it's interesting. I mean I do think that uh, you know is there anything about McCarlo that that does I mean if it just well, size size, they, size right they could size it. yeah I mean
3: because yeah.
2: it is I mean it's not a small man game. You know, there was a time after the lockout where they said, okay, little guys carry the puck now, and guys like John Lyles are really in demand. Um, and then it kind of got bigger again, though. It seems like the league, King won a couple cups, with a big team. You know, Chicago was a fairly big team. Um, I don't know exactly where the league is right now when it comes to size and stuff, but I, I do think that, you know, more about a power game now, a speed game. Uh, it's not about size so much. It does seem like Makar has great power skating s- skills and enough skill to where he's not gonna have to. He's not gonna get crushed by, you know, the goons out there. all He's the hard time. to hit square. It's not that kind of. G-
3: he's hard to hit square because okay. he's you know he's always he's he's always a little bit quicker than the guy, the big guy trying to to hit him square. Here's okay. here's the other thing, and I've noticed this, I've noticed this with Talin in Buffalo this year and it's something that you'll have to be a little bit Avaland Trans translate have to be a little bit patient with. When you have a young defenseman with as much skill who's pretty much his whole life been able to do anything he wanted with the puck on every team he's ever played on, he's going to yeah. turn it over sometimes and make some mistakes that are going to cost your team goals, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to kind of accept that because you don't want to take what the creativity out of him to like save a couple goals in December of his rookie year Mm -hmm. or whatever. You almost want it to happen, let Mm -hmm. him learn from it and move on kind of a thing. Actually, Phil Housley's done a really good job with Dalene in that regard. You know, if he makes a mistake, it's not like that's the last time he touches the ice that night. It's more like, okay, that's a mistake. Let's clean that up, you know, and let's move on. But one thing I'll say, I've seen Darlene have this ability and Makar will have it as well, is that sometimes you'll see him make a mistake that if another defenseman made, it'd be death but they're so skill- he's so skilled as a skater and he's so quick that he can recover he can recover and make a play still. there'll be times where you think he's down yeah. and out and I've seen it in that that Uu game where he actually made a bad play along the boards and I thought Q was gonna get like a half zone two on one on it but he made two or three steps and ended up just knocking the puck away anyway you know so these guys can be so these young smaller quick guys. That's one thing: is when they make a mistake, they're not dead on their feet. You know, they 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 their so their ability to recover is so off the charts. Um, but you know, there will be mistakes, and and I think the biggest thing will be he'll come in as a guy with all the tools. But there will be people that wonder if he's got the right toolbox to carry him in. You know, yeah. So. Well, but I think he's a stud. Um, I think he's a stud. I'd be thrilled, yeah. thrilled to to know that he was you know going to be on my team. Thrilled. I, I <laughs> I'd be. Boundless joy, I think. Yeah, no, I, I mean, think he's the second least tradable team in the or- least tradable player in the organization.
2: I mean, and McKinnon is the only guy about, about. Yeah, I mean McKinnon's the man, but right. Yeah, number one. Rand, asset. I mean, Rand, Randman too. Randman's got special talent.
3: I think uh, I'd rather have McCarr in the long run, just because I already have McKinnon. But sure, you want to make him three? That's fine. No need. No need to debate that. But. He's right up there with those guys yeah, in terms um, of importance to the organization long-term. You, you would know better than me, but I'm just trying to pump people. Well, out.
2: I mean, yeah, they, they, I mean, there's some fantasists out there that still think, hey, uh, you know, maybe Colorado will trade my car for uh, Deadline And It's like, no, they're no, going to trade kill my no. car. All right, give it up. They're yeah. not happening. You can, it's usually some Canadian writers who want, to, you know, wish wishful thinkings. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. Um, the Avalanche have a long-term plan here. Uh, the um, all right. So I I want to get into more, uh, you know, your thoughts on, on maybe a couple other sure the drafts coming up maybe and stuff like that because the Avalanche could have another more one pick. Let's right. take our second break here. We're pushing forty minutes. Uh, let's take our second break. Come back to the third and final segment. Of Steve Bennett. He'll give uh, maybe some opinions on uh, who the, who he would take for the first pick. If the Avalanche is so fortunate to have it, you never know. Maybe you know. But for hopefully will not be in that conversation for He's a diehard Sager fan. Uh so let's do that after the break here. This is the BSN Avalanche
0: podcast.
2: Third and final segment of the
0: BSN Avalanche podcast.
2: I'm your host, Adrian vader Steve Bennett, he runs the podcast that's been named one of the best sports podcasts out there. And this is not just me saying that. This is Richard Deitz from The Athletic, formerly of Sports Illustrated. Twice he's named the listener for his Sports Pathers podcast. He's also been known to do a podcast called Lonely Into the Rink with a certain big goofy looking redheaded guy from Denver. So, uh, Steve, uh third segment here, you're, you're such a knowledgeable guy about the draft and college and everything. Um, I want to ask your opinion about who you think is the best player coming out of this draft uh, in 2019, the avalanche own Ottawa's pick. And everybody I know or who knows anything about this team says they are not trading that pick no matter what. Um, they don't care about this year so much. They're not going to trade that pick. Forget about it. They're going to do the best they can this year, hope for the playoffs, but next year is when they're really going to start getting serious about everything. So, uh, Steve, if you were that first, let's say the Avalanche is the number one pick. You're the GM of the Avalanche. Who do you take, Steve
3: Bennett? All right, quick story. So, a couple of years ago, I was doing a live draft blog, NFL draft blog. I do it every year for a website called Pro Player Insiders. And watching the Saints have the 10th, 11th pick, i watching it unfold. And the Kansas City Chiefs trade up ahead, of the Saints, and they picked Pat Mahomes 10th. And I realized that with the 11th pick, the Saints are going to pick a player named Marshawn Lattimore, a quarterback from Ohio State. And My brother was in the room with me, and I started doing some fist pumps. I'm like, I cannot believe we're going to end this day with Marshawn Lattimore. Six months later, he's named Rookie of the Year. And I told my brother, I said, you know what? I was doing fist pumps. I should have been doing back flips. If Colorado wins that lottery, Avalanche fans should not be doing fist pumps. They should be doing back flips. Jack Hughes is that good. He, watching him skate was ridiculous. Now, it's a disappointment in the World Juniors because he got hurt in the first game and didn't play until the elimination rounds. And then when he did come back, I'm not, I don't want to say he lost his spot on the top lines. It was just that there was some chemistry built there. So he ended up playing with Chris Drury's nephew, who plays at Harvard, Jack Drury. It was a second-round pick last year on that line. Uh, but, wow, is he he is just fun to watch. He can skate for days and he's creative, great passer, Oh, so much upside, all-world talent. No doubt he's going to be the number one pick. You didn't need to have me on the podcast to tell you that. Everyone's saying it, and I don't have any reason to doubt it. Now, if you get the second pick, I was maybe not equally as impressed, but very impressed uh, with the Finnish player who actually scored uh, the game-winning game, mini- game winning goal, Capo Caco, uh, who projects probably to be the second pick. Uh, and he is a really nice right-winger, six 6'1". Uh, he's got good size, and... Uh, Really good with the puck. Made a really good play down low to dig out and shovel in kind of a garbage goal with 126 left to win the World Junior. Uh, but both of those guys are good. Jack Hughes is, is at a different level, though. Um,
2: See, now I haven't seen a play yet And in person. So, again, I'm always like, that, I don't know anything. But, you know, Pierre McGuire came out recently said he's not a generational talent. Um,
3: well, he's not Canadian. He's not Canadian. Mean, okay.
2: Yeah, all right. <laughs> so that so that's it. I, yeah, if he was Canadian, nah, he would know. say he's
3: a generational talent. And by the way, what's a generational <laughs> what is a generational talent? Like how many have we had this generation, right? I mean, McDavid is a generational talent. Eichel's a generational talent. Uh, you know, Matthews is a generational talent. What about Dahlen? Yeah, I said him. Dahlen's a generational talent. Like how many can you have? I mean, at what point
2: We've had a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. We've had a lot of them in recent draft.
3: Yeah, uh, Lane is a generational I mean, talent, right?
2: Um You didn't even mention you didn't even mention Austin Matthews? No, I said
3: Matthews. He's mm-hmm. the third guy I said.
2: Okay, all right. So I missed up. Uh, uh, well, we've had a lot of them in it. I mean, does that necessarily mean that it that's not a horrible thing, right? I mean, okay, no. maybe he's not a good of David, hey, who by the way just got awarded two assists tonight not playing.
3: That's unbelievable. Side joke. You know what he actually leads the twenty twenty World Cup in assists.
2: He's got six <laughs> assists already in that
3: it's really impressive. <laughs> we <laughs>
2: <laughs> we we kid about Connor McDavid because uh, Steve, you're such a big Buffalo Sabres fan. Um, you thought you were going to get the
3: ago <laughs> gonna... No, I didn't. That's not true. I knew we wouldn't. I oh, knew we wouldn't.
2: Oh, you didn't? I, well, I assumed you thought you would. No, I'm you're actually. At that. You,
3: you... I'm actually from here. I know. I know how things work in Buffalo. I never thought we were going to get a 25 percenter <laughs> for the best player in the in the draft in 50 years. No. No, 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 no! Look, at, ask. people are wrong about this. People think just because Tim Murray pouted when we lost that lottery that all of Buffalo didn't want Jack Eichel. All of Buffalo knew we were getting Jack Eichel. We created a word called Nick Eichel. We were so sure we were going to lose that <laughs> draft lottery that we needed we rooted against yeah. our team to finish last to make sure we would get one of those two guys no matter what, and we knew it was going to be Eichel. Um, so no, I was in no. Look at. Of course, you want the best guy. Of course, and of course, Connor McDavid was the best guy in that draft. And we probably can't even debate it until we get to the Sidney Crosby draft. Like that's probably the first chance we would get to debate if he's the fir- if the first guy, um, going backwards. Uh, so of course we wanted him. Of course, it would have been nice. But All no. Right. Did I think we were going to win the lottery? No. Did I think we get Eichel? Yes. Uh, Am I happy with Eichel? Extremely.
2: I mean. I love Jack too. And I was fortunate enough to do a big long article on Jack. I uh, went to North Thompson, where he grew up and I I'm happy to see it. I'm really thrilled cool The see are, uh, you know, the last team, uh, we've had some, you know, some ups and downs lately, but, uh, that should be expected. It's been great to see. I, I hate to, I hate to take the answers cause I know, but the answer is probably, but you know, um, but I've been through it as a kid. Um, uh, but I have to ask you, as a Buffalo native, who's, who's been through, you know, uh, you're not a Bills fan. But I'm sure you, you would have wanted the Bills to win one of those Super Bowls, right? Uh, yeah,
3: I was hoping that. When they when Scott Norv lined up to kick, I wanted him yeah, to win. Yeah, get. it's the same for yeah. in it. Yeah.
2: It's the same floor in it.
3: The Bills are no rival of
2: that. Is it, Is it a real thing where Buffaloans are uh, Buffalo? Is that way I say it? Buffalo- Buffalonians. Something?
3: Buffalonians.
2: Buffalonians. Yep. Uh, is it a badge of pride now in a way to be the lovable losers in a way, or are you just really, is it a really pissed off thing? Is that a, no, everyone's tired of it. Buffalo
3: yeah. Everyone's tired of it. Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. Cause sometimes that can be like a, Hey, we're a bunch of losers, but so we get a lot of attention for it. No. Oh, hey, you know, everyone's our tired of it. we lose a lot. Yeah. No. Yeah. Can you imagine the day? I'm. Sh- it's going to happen, man. You're going to win a championship or something. You'd, you'd be experienced as, as a Saints fan. So that's great. But, I know you you're proud of the place you grew up. Yes. How do you think Buffalo will handle an actual championship? Will it just shut I mean it'll shut down the whole city for days, right? I mean that All right. it's gotta happen, right? It's,
3: so there was one time in my life where I was thought they were gonna win the Stanley Cup. Okay, so Yeah. The first year after the lockout. Uh Saves yep. make the playoffs. Sure, year. Yeah, so they win they win the first round. Um yeah. let me think who'd they play in the first round that year? Philadelphia. Best team in the league. Wipe Philadelphia. Well, that was the yep. second year. So let's go back a year to the first year. So they wipe out Philadelphia in the first round. All right, they win the second round. They go to the uh, Ottawa, who is the big team that year. Um, Jason Pominville's overtime yeah. goal in Game Five, shorthanded, cutting around Ray Emery to uh, win that series. Uh, they go yep. to the conference finals. Now in the Ottawa series, they lost Tim Conley, who was the best player in the world at that moment when he gets injured and they lose him. Yeah. They lost Dimitri Kleene into a broken ankle in that. Okay? So then they go on to the conference championship against Carolina. And every time they win a game in that series, they Uh-oh. lose a defenseman. They lose to They lose uh, in games uh, – before game seven, they find out that Jay McKee has a staff infection. But anyway, before we knew about Jamie McKee's staff infection and that he wouldn't play in game seven, we win adult, an overtime game Danny Briere scores to tie that series at, at three three to three. We're going to Game 7, and I'm walking out of the arena. I was in the 300 level that night, so I got the – if you've ever been to our arena, we have a beautiful atrium in front, really big, beautiful atrium. Yep. And you come in and out of it through there, and it's two big, long escalators up to get to the 300s. Yep. And, you, Dater, if you could have been with me to ride that escalator that night, it was a glimpse into what it could be like someday if we ever won because uh, everyone leaving that yeah. arena thought that they were going to be back there for a Stanley Cup game in a few weeks and thought we were going to beat the Oilers. You know, knew that we had an eighth seed waiting for us in the in the West. There was no doubt in my mind they were yeah. the best team, that they would win the Cup. Unfortunately, attrition, uh, attrition got them. They were leading that game 7-2-1 to uh, one going into the third period, and Brian, McCam- Brian Campbell got the first infamous flipping it over the glass yeah. penalty. Uh, that was the first year of that yeah. rule. First time that penalty really cost a team. But, oh, I thought we were going to win it, and the the noise in the atrium, the Let's Go Buffalo chants, when you got into the parking lot, into the outside, just the yeah. the noise, the cars beeping their horns and Let's Go Buffalo beat patterns. Oh man, this city will melt. It will melt. It'll be fun though.
2: I'll be there. Uh, I I uh, I really believe that you know it will happen and will be the weight will make it that much better. I mean, it's unbelievable that they you know. <laughs> I, I think in Buffalo for the to the for the uh, hall skate in the crease completely awful call obviously, um, I still think you know Dallas is going to win the series. But the fact is that game should have kept going on. I'll never forget being in the uh, the press box. It was, it was a horrible game though. I must yeah, say, it was, it was really a slog. Never it. it was the dead puck. Yeah. It was the dead puck era. Mm-hmm. It was just awful hockey to watch. Totally. But I do remember being in the elevator and seeing certain high-ranking NHL officials and the wood you didn't need to really say say it out loud, but the, all our eye was sort of meeting was like, we got to get the hell out of here. You know, uh, the calls have been made. You know it's screwed up, but we, we're, we're, it's done. We're out of here. Yep, uh, they didn't follow the rule. I think they they followed it It was such an awful game, and it was so late at night that everybody just – was so tired of it. Yep, but it, it got screwed. Yep. Brett Hall's cre- skate was in the crease. They called Period. that.
3: They called that goal off all year that season.
2: All year, all one, year, and then yep. all of a sudden, and it was obviously a stupid rule in the first place. Yeah, but it was the rule, and they called it, it all year. The rule.
3: they called it all year, and
2: his skate was in the crease. Now yes. there, is, there is a half a millisecond where you're like, all right, is it actually in the crease no. or is it? Undebatable. Above is a skate. You know, and yeah, no. But I, I, 100% of the reviews,
3: of 100% of the reviews that year waived that goal off that year.
2: Yep. yep. I mean, that game, you know, Buffalo probably wins in overtime somehow. Hasek was, I mean, Dallas was a good team, but Hashik probably wins. Then and if they to do, Dallas For game seven, who knows what happens. Right you, right. Gamer, right, you
3: got the best goalie in the world for a one-gamer, right? You got the best goalie. And that yep. was an older Dallas team. You know, who would have to play that game after playing a 3-4 overtime game? Look, okay, they'd have a fighting shot. They'd already won game one in Dallas, so it's not like they hadn't won a game there. Uh, of course, uh, Dallas would have been the favorite that night. Um, but, yeah, that one hurts. Of course, that one hurts.
2: And, and you know, you say best goalie in the world. I'll, 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 I'll,
3: at that time. I'll
2: nothing, at that Eddie moment. Eddie Belfort was really, really good that playoffs. Eddie Belfort stole the series before that against the Avalanche. I mean, we all thought the Avalanche were going to be playing Buffalo in the finals. I remember looking up plane reservations to Buffalo for uh, for the start of the Stanley Cup Finals. We thought it would be Colorado and Buffalo.
3: Yeah, nothing and, against that, uh, Balfour. But Dominic Hasek, I mean. And it, and it, Don't forget, he you know, just stolen a then, gold medal then, the year before.
2: Yeah. And then Adam Bedmarsh hit the post with uh, at end of regulation. The Avalanche lose in Game 7 to, to, a, to a kind of a dirty... Stars team Unlikable yeah, they won the cup, so Unlikable Yeah Happened you know, for them But, but yeah they, they were an Unlikable team Um They were a dirty Team Richard chuck Was a Was a Hatchet man Who uh Didn't have an ounce of skill. Just went out And hacked people All day long But that was The year So he got away With it Same with Gary and Hatcher uh, Just getting my Blood boiling Thinking about Those old games Here so Let's move on Uh Steve, your quick thoughts on—I mean, we've we've kind of been all over the map, but I mean, you're you're a big hockey guy. What what are your thoughts on the Sabres' chances to actually make the playoffs? Number one, uh, I think they're we'll about finish up with your thoughts on the Avalanche.
3: I think they're about sixty forty to make the playoffs. Uh, look, it—they had a stretch where they played above who they are, that has kind of inflated the expectation, um, but that's okay. Uh, the team is only going to get as far as Jack Eichel can take them. He's missed the last few games. Seems like all signs point to him returning Friday, uh, which is good because they're not going to survive. If he has a stretch like he's had the last two years where he's not there, they, they can't survive that. They don't have the depth yet. Uh, they have young players trying to find their way in the league like Casey Middlestat and Tage Thompson, and they're being patient with those guys, and I think that's the right play. Uh, But because they had that 10-game winning streak and got to the top of the standings in the league, they've lost a little bit of the patience because people now want to be that team. They don't want to be what we were willing to accept going into the season of, you know, before we knew Jeff Skinner was going to have the second most goals in the league. You know, before we knew this team could win 10 in a row, you know, whatever. That Hutton could maybe be a number one, you know, uh, whatever. They've they they've inflated the expectations, and because of that, they've lost a little bit of the patience. They might make the playoffs, they might not. They're probably maybe I should just say 50-50. fifty. They're a coin flip to make it. You know, it looks like it's going to be three teams for two spots: them, Montreal, and the Islanders. If we had to call it right now, that's what we'd say. It's two of those will make it, and one won't. And they could be that team. I think
2: Sabres will make it,
3: or they could not. Yeah, I think
2: they'll make it. I think they'll make it. If
3: you gave me a thousand dollars that all I could do with it was bet on whether they will or won't make it, I would bet on will.
2: Well, put it on uh, one of my affiliate sites for Gambling.com since I read for them now. Sold plug. Yeah, sure. Uh, Steve, the uh, a yes or no legging round question, would you do it all over again if you could uh, have a Ryan O'Reilly deal as it was was constructed then? If you could go yes. back and undo it, would you do it? No, I'd do it. You would do undo it? Yeah. You would do it? Yeah. You would do it? They had to do it. They
3: just drafted you, you Jack. Never, they just drafted a, Jack Eichel. you
2: You never were a Zadarev guy.
3: Yeah, and they um, already had Mr. Right. Linen. So what, what? they had two identical prospects. They had just just drafted Eichel, or were just about to draft Eichel. I can't remember what happened first. They had to do it. You know, they had to do it. They had it. They had just literally just played a season where the team was, the fans of the team were rooting for them to lose. So I think they had to do it. Did do it work? Didn't work out ultimately. You, Tim Murray didn't. You, all right. Didn't build the team, but no, I'd do it again. Do
2: you think Ryan O'Reilly was a a, a, a a very good player from Buffalo, or was he a disappointment in the in the final analysis because he couldn't make them "quote unquote" a winner?
3: I think he was a disappointment because he didn't care about winning enough. He was perfectly mm-hmm. he, if if he was doing you know if he was getting his twenty five goals and winning his face offs, that was good enough for him. I mean, he he, he said mm-hmm. in his exit interview last year that. He was fine. You know, he had basically accepted losing, so he was fine with it.
2: Yeah, but that was taken a little out of context. No, it wasn't. You know. No. I mean, it, well, you know, I think he wants one. I Do you think, though, that his beating himself up self flagellation routine is a bit of a, uh, a ruse to get people to yes. get sympathy when he's just trying to Absolutely, yes. There, they, there, there are other people who think that. I'm, I'm a Ryan O'Reilly supporter. I think he's, I think he's genuine, and I, I think he's a good, hell of a nice guy and player. But yeah, I, I know that that sentiment exists. Uh, okay. Um, uh, all right. I think we're going to wrap up the podcast. I know you want to do something fun though. We want to do a thing where uh, Steve, you're going to open up a pack of, of uh, oh, yeah. 1991 hockey cards. Yes, and I- we're going to talk. We're gonna end this podcast, folks, by Steve Dennett opening up a pack of a, a never opened pack, never opened 1990-91 hockey cards, and we're gonna go through the players. And, uh, and if you get, you know, uh, let's see, if I get the, uh, the prime rookie from
3: it, if I get the Honus Wagner card in here, we'll split the profits. <laughs> All right, so God, this, you... this is Upper Deck 1991, right. the premier edition of Upper okay. Deck hockey cards. There's 12 in here. This is
2: exciting, right? Yeah. Who, who's it going to be?
3: I don't know. There's 12 in here, including superstar 3D holograms. So hopefully we'll get a 3D hologram. Why did
2: you have this card that wasn't – did you just buy this pack? Like, I got it as recently? I got it as a
3: Christmas gift for my brother. It's kind of like a gag Christmas gift. Okay. They bought me okay. a box of unopened Upper Deck hockey cards. You
2: all right. Fun? Yeah, I'm excited. To... All right. Let's open it up. All right. <laughs>
3: First of all, good news. We do have a hologram. We have oh. got the Wayne Gretzky okay. hologram. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so that's...
2: You got a Wayne Gretzky hologram?
3: Yep. It's Wayne Gretzky.
2: That makes a pack worth it right there.
3: Star rookie Craig okay. Fisher. Oh, wow. I, I Craig Fisher. Craig Fisher. Philadelphia Flyers.
2: Ooh, veteran... I, I barely remember him.
3: Veteran NFL or NHL defenseman Larry Robinson in a Kings jersey. Wow. Yeah. That's a Great card. Yeah, that's really nice. That must have been his
2: last year, I doubt.
3: Uh Ch- wow. Chell, wow. Samuelson. A great card.
2: Chell Samuelson. Shell Samuelson, of
3: yeah. course. Uh the Flyers?
2: Was that the uh he, he went on to play for uh yeah. He played for the Flyers that yep. believe finished up with the Red Wings.
3: Brad Shaw. Right. Very generic looking Ooh. Brad Shaw. Played for the Whalers and Brad Shaw. So, he's got four goals uh, in 78, 78 NHL games over six seasons on the back of the card. Wow, this is an Adams oh. Division heavy pack here. Paul Gillis
2: of the Quebec Nordiques. Paul Gillis? Yes. No kidding. Paul Gillis. Yeah. Uh, now, wait a minute. Paul Gillis. Yes. Is that the former Bruin, Paul Gillis, or have I got his name wrong?
3: I don't know. 85 to 90, he was all Nordiques. I'll check his hockey DB before we sign off. Oh,
2: okay, okay.
3: It's so the back here. He's all the years it covers. He's a Nordique. Also, every year a minus player. Ah, huh. <laughs> oh, these stats. Kirk McLean.
2: Why am st- I pic- Why am I picturing the guy who I think became a? I don't think this is him, but he became a later GM of the Canucks. Uh, was it what was the name? I totally Paul
3: wondering. Gillis, born December thirty first in Toronto. He played most of his career with the. Nordiques before a couple years with the Blackhawks, and then two years with the Whalers.
2: Okay, I got it wrong, man. He was. I do I'm thinking of a former Canucks GM.
3: Thirty fourth overall pick in 1982. So,
2: Kirk McLean. Uh, all right, who's next?
3: Kirk McLean.
2: Kirk McLean, the star of the '94
3: nice. playoffs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, former Avalanche goalie coach.
3: The Lady Bing Trophy winner card featuring Brett Hall as that year's winner. Brett Hall's 72-goal wow, season. A trophy
2: nobody wants.
3: Brett Hall's 72-goal season with St. Louis was combined with just 24 penalty minutes as the Blues sniper sent an all-time NHL goal-scoring mark for right-wingers.
2: Well, always, I mean, I'll always take that goal but Brett Hall got credit for, it, but, damn, he was a good player. Good wasn't player. He? Oh, Woo. my God. What a, what a shooter. What a what shot. What a shooter.
3: Gary Nyland of oh. the— New York Islanders,
2: Gary, Gary Nyland, Nyland.
3: yeah, yeah. Blackhawks played some time with the Blackhawks and the Islanders. Yeah,
2: yeah. first Good saber player. in the,
3: the pack. Scott Arneal. Wow, yeah, Scott Arneal. decent player. You know,
2: score fifteen. He became uh, didn't he become an executive in uh, Columbus?
3: I think that's right. Good player, yeah.
2: Too. yeah. I think I'm right.
3: Scott Arneal. All right, we got yeah. the uh, the Calgary Flames checklist card. Wow. Yeah, so we can keep track of which like that. which Flames we get. Theo Fleury, yeah. Doug Got Gilmore. Theo Fleury on that list,
2: probably yeah. Al McInnes. Theo McInnes. Fleury, yeah. uh, maybe
3: Mike Vernon. Uh, yep, Gary Suter, um, Gary Roberts, Joel Otto, Joe Newendike. Yeah,
2: uh, right. Sergey Makarov. Yep. Yeah. Don yeah. Uh,
3: Burpe? Don Burpe, a goalie. Don.
2: B-E-A-U-P-R-E. 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 Don Beaupre. Don Beaupre. There you go. Yeah, I remember
3: him. I don't remember Don. Yeah, I remember him. And then last but not least...
2: He play for the, I think he played for the Sabres.
3: Did he? I don't remember Don.
2: I think he made, let him play for the Sabres. You're not thinking of Sove, are
3: you? Or Poopa?
2: No, I'm thinking of Don Volpre. I saw he played for the Sabres. All right, well, let's see if you're I right. I right,
3: or... I'm looking him up now. He's born in 1961. And uh, never made it to the Sabres. He played for the North uh-huh. Stars, the Capitals... Uh, the Senators, the Maple uh, Leafs, played for the Baltimore Skipjacks, nice. the Salt uh, yes. Lake Golden Eagles, played yes. as junior hockey for the Sudbury Wolves. Huh. Interesting. That's a lot of that's a lot of changes of address. Oh, yes. This man, guy's, man, guy's man, got many teams. Those guys go many teams this guy. Is that the end of the pack? One more. Jeff Norton. Defenseman, New York Islanders. Yeah. Not to be confused with comedian Jim Norton. This is Jeff Norton.
2: Yeah, yeah. or former boxer Ken Norton.
3: He was a second-team all-star, former... second all-star at the University of Michigan in
2: 1987. Yeah. Not to be confused with the uh, Ralph Cramden's uh, apartment dwelling mate, Norton, <laughs> from the Honeymooner.
3: That was fun, right?
2: Uh, that was fun, yeah. yeah. To do that again That's... next time you have me on. Amazing. All right. I uh I got a place I can pack up on unopened cards. Just called Build Sports Collectibles. Little will plug. Unbelievable. Sports member, store a store member. Long time. Maybe legendary that, place.
3: Maybe that could be a new gimmick for the lonely end of the rink, too. We can we can end the lonely end of the rink pods opening. That could be it. Random it could be packs it. Of we'll cards. Finally,
2: Maybe we'll finally hit our podcast riches after all. That could be it. <laughs> so, Who do we open up? All right. All right. Real quick. Let me get my right, plugs Steve, out. Can I I my think, plugs uh,
3: out real quick one more time? What now? I just want to give my plugs one more time.
2: Yeah, give give your plugs, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up after that. But, yeah, give your plugs and all you, what you got going on right now.
3: All right, so the Sportscasters podcast, uh, you can find uh, information about it on Twitter at sports underscore casters. You can find the newest episode and all episodes since 2011 on the SoundCloud page, which is soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. If you need more information, you can email me, the Sportscasters at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, it's on all the podcatcher apps, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. And if there's somewhere where you listen to podcasts but you can't find it, you know, email me and I'll hook it up. I've done that before. Someone used something called Downcast. That we weren't on there, but I fixed it. Uh, it's usually not hard to get added to those. So, uh, but at sports underscore casters is the best spot. Uh, coming up, so we had the first episode of the season, which was the executive editor of Sports Illustrated, John Wertheim. Talks about the sale of SI and working for 60 Minutes. Also, Eddie Trunk uh, from that metal show, and uh, now he works for SiriusXM Volume. Uh, we talk rock and roll on there and a little bit of New York Giants football. And uh, I'm going to have Jimmy Traina from SI on. I'm going to have Richard Deutch from The Athletic on. I'm going to have Mike Harrington from The Buffalo News on. Uh, I'm working on Tony Kornheiser really, really hard, so if you want to email uh michael his son and tell him that he should do it do that for me i've been talking to michael trying to work on tony kornheiser uh and i'm working on a book right now called beyond broadway joe about uh the other players on the uh, super bowl three winning new york jets by a guy named bob letterer so i'll give him a plug for his book beyond broadway joe but that's that's it at sports oh, underscore cast i want to read
2: that book
3: all right i'll send it to you when i'm done
2: cool i uh, i want to read that Jets book when you're done with it yeah i'll uh, send it to you it's
3: about the other guys little, you know little Everyone just well, thinks about Joe, fact, and the finger.
2: Uh, little known fact, uh, but I did a book a few years ago on the Broncos with, uh, and Jim Turner, the kicker, wrote the forward for it. And I did some promo appearances with Jim for the book and got to know Jim pretty well. And uh, people forget Jim Turner kicked three field goals in that Jets Super Bowl victory in Miami against the Colts. He was the highest-scoring player in that game, uh, but nobody ever remembers it because it was all J- Broadway Joe and the guarantee. And rightfully so, Broadway Joe was a superstar legend of all time. But, uh, yeah, I want to read more about what Jim Turner was like in the book. I hope there's a good section on him.
3: Yeah, for sure. I'll get it to you for sure, no problem. Bob Letterer is the author.
2: <laughs> okay, all right. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, this has been a great uh, great from you uh, i know we both got some hockey to watch here i got the Avs game uh, that i'm finishing up on and uh uh well we're taping this on a tuesday it's gonna come out thursday so i guess we're giving away our secrets here but yeah we both got hockey to watch thanks for your insight man and uh don't be a stranger uh to this podcast again i hope to have you on again and uh, i definitely hope to you squeezed into the Sportscasters podcast again. I mean, uh, I'm not, I can't compete with the, uh, you know, the John Wertheim's of the world and the Tony Kornheiser's, but hopefully you can still carve out a few minutes for a little old me. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, uh, we, uh, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Just want to remind our listeners, too, you can find our podcast on Spotify now, the snm podcast on Spotify. We're excited about that. You can uh, find us on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, as well, all the other podcast outlets. Give us a rating and a review if you would. We'd appreciate it. Uh, that'll do it from Adrian Dater. On behalf of Steve Bennett,
0: this has been the Watch podcast. Thank you for listening.